Well, I'm excited about our new series because here's the main reason. God has given you life for this moment in time. And I am praying that God's truth will bring his life to your life for whatever challenge you're facing this moment in time. Welcome to our uh, Christ Journey family, Kindle Campus, Gables Campus, across the nation, around the world. Let's ask God to meet us today in this moment in time. Um, speaking of time, the year is 2009. The New Orleans Saints are now going for the very first time in the 43 years of their team's history, going to the Super Bowl. And they win it. 31 to 17 against the Indianapolis Colts. Some of you remember that game. Uh, but one of the things significant about it is that just four years prior, Hurricane Katrina has devastated New Orleans. And the Superdome also took its hits and was used as an emergency shelter in response to that disaster. Uh, there were rumors going around that the team, uh, the owner was gonna move the team to another state because they didn't think the Superdome would be stable enough. Long story short, Superdome is renovated, Saints come back, win the Super Bowl, and um, I remember Wenton uh, Marcellus, famous trumpeter from New Orleans, say in an interview at that time, you ever waited for something so long that the waiting became the thing? so excited that, uh, that the Saints are going to the Super Bowl. Well, I like Desi, like Cookie Monster. I don't like to wait either. And yet we find ourselves waiting so many times. I don't like waiting in front of the microwave. I don't like waiting for that little buffer to do whatever it does so that my video or my song can get on the sound waves. It's just so annoying. Um, I don't like waiting in line at the grocery store, I've told you this, I count at the express lane, I count the number of items in front of me, the person in front of me has. Now it's not like, you know, it says 10 items or less only, right? And it's not like I'm gonna say, well, you know, if you could count better, I would already be paying for my stuff and wouldn't have to be waiting on you. You know, rule breaker, you know? I'm not gonna say that, but I'm counting, you know, because I don't like to wait. I don't like waiting in traffic. And yet, here's what I discovered. According to FactSite Research, the average person will spend five years of their life waiting. Six months of that waiting at a traffic light. And you know, if you go to Disney, you crank up the exponential uh, waiting time in your life. Like, did you see this? June 2016, people waited in line five hours for a five-minute ride on the Frozen attraction when it first opened. Oh, I guess that's like, you feeling the frustration yet? On the other hand, we all know that there are things where the things that bring quality up to demand require time. Like you don't take an oven out of the stove, I mean a cake out of the oven too soon, right? Vine ripened tomatoes taste better than green picked. If you don't believe me, try it. You can take your annuity out early, but there's gonna be financial penalties and taxes. Better to let that thing mature over time Right Now, a newborn baby can survive premature birth, but a full-term baby has a better chance of thriving. See, there are times when time is worth the wait. 
And shortcuts can be very costly. Sometimes what we perceive to be the delay, to be a delay is actually a developmental opportunity. Now, if you have ever found yourself waiting, some of you are waiting right now, if you've ever found yourself waiting and you are tired of waiting and maybe even troubled by the thought that what you are waiting for is never gonna happen, then today's message is for you. When we first meet this couple, we, uh, we don't know how long they've been married, we don't know how long they've been together. What we do discover shortly though is that in all of the years of their marriage, they have borne the pain of childlessness. And then suddenly, God calls, God's call on their life captivates their imagination with a promise. Genesis chapter 12, God calls Abram to leave the familiarity of his father's country, follow him into a new land with these words, I will make you into a great nation. I will make your name great. I will make you a blessing and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now on this side of that promise, we see all peoples on earth blessed through Messiah, Jesus Christ, who came in fulfillment of this promise through the line of Abram, the family line. But when the promise first came, Abram and Sarai are excited for a whole other reason. Because the words came like this, to your offspring, I will give this land. Offspring means what? A baby's on the way. A baby's on the way. Now read a little bit farther in the story and what you discover, 10 years, 10 years, a decade has passed, still no kid. Hmm, hmm. Thought a baby was on the way. Hmm. And during that time of delay, what happens? Well, we discover some things in the story. I hope you'll read it for yourself. Genesis chapters 12 through 21. But one of the things we discover is that both Abram and Sarai are struggling with some uh, character issues that affect their decision-making along the way in their journey of life. Like for instance, Abram um, gets Sarai to join him in a public lie because he thinks it's going to be their best defense against some... Uh, perhaps male predators in their life that are interested in her because she's beautiful. And so he says, Sarai, why don't you just tell them, don't tell them you're my wife, tell them you're my sister. And I guess the reason he, he does that is because he thinks a lie will be a better defense than waiting on God to protect them. And then a little bit farther in the story, Sarai gets Abram to join her in a cheating scenario that involves her handmaid, Hagar, by which she connives, she's going to get her baby. And she says, oh, I'll get it through my handmaid, who will just hook up with my husband, and, and Abram joins her. Maybe she's thinking that this manipulation that she's conniving would work faster than trusting God to provide the baby as promised. We also get to see in the wait that Abram is a courageous and generous man. He's courageous because he comes to the rescue of his nephew who's in trouble, plates himself at risk, and he's generous because with all of his wealth, we discover he's a very wealthy man, that right off the top, he gives 10% of his income to God. I mean, Genesis 14, 20, he's a tither. 10% of gross, <laughs> not net. I mean, so he's 
generous. And then we also see that Sarai is not only a beautiful woman, but she's a respectful one. She's willing to join her husband and boldly go where they have never gone before. I mean, the story says that they're following God's call into the unknown. She's willing to get up, pack up, leave the security of family, everything that has been meaningful to her in the past, she's leaving in the rearview mirror. And so first they go to Haran, that's about 500 miles away, and I mean 600 miles away, and then they go from there on to Canaan, another 500 miles away, and every time Sarai asks Abram, where are we going? He says, I don't know, I don't know. You mean you don't know where we're going? No. No, but we're going with God. That's what I know. We're going with God, and that's where we're going. And every time she asks him, and so how much farther, how much farther? I don't know. I don't know. We're just going with God. 1,100 miles. They're in Canaan now. By the way, you know, we can make 1,100 miles in 15 hours at 75 miles per hour, direct nonstop. 1,100 miles on foot, direct nonstop, takes 385 hours. But for a nomad that doesn't know where he's going on the front end, there's no such thing as direct nonstop. I mean, they got camels and they got their stuff and they got all those people that are coming with them. And where are we going? I don't know, but we're going with God. And Sarai says, I'm in. Weeks and weeks and weeks of that, but she's respectful to the call that God has given her husband and they're making the journey together. Now, this story intersects ours in many ways, but the standout today is, um, is about trusting God to fulfill his promise, especially to fill his promise in our lives, but especially when we're facing the disappointment of delay. Are you facing the disappointment of delay when it comes to the promise of God? What do I mean? You've been waiting on God and it's taking way longer than you ever dreamed it would. That's where they are. Genesis chapter 12 through 21 tell us the story. How did they make their journey? How did this couple with their complications make their journey? Well, three life lessons to help us real quickly. I'll give them to you. First one is this. Listen and lean in to God's leading for your life. That's where we discover Abram. That's his starting point. <laughs> when God calls, he was listening enough to then lean into it and then follow the leading. And that's where it starts for us. Faith's journey has to do with listening to God's leading and then leaning into it when he gives it to you. Now, how can you do that? How can you do that? We talk about it all the time around here. It starts with prayer. Prayer is a conversation with God. So you can start every day like this. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. When you get up in the morning, instead of turning the TV or the news on first, listen to God. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. That's my posture, I'm listening. Second, then as God speaks, I'm gonna listen, let his word be open. So I was taught when you spend time in God's word that I always make this prayer. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things out of your instruction. And then when God gives you an instruction through his word, by his spirit, then follow it as instantaneously as you can. You get a prompting from God's truth, then follow it. Follow it as quickly as you can. Why? Well, here's what Jesus said. Whoever has my commands and obeys them. Now there's the one that loves me. And the one that loves me, the one who loves me, is gonna be loved by my father. And then I'm gonna love him. Do you want your love relationship with God to grow deeper? He's saying, here's how. And I'm gonna show myself to him. You ever wanted God to make himself known to you more clearly? You want him to show himself to you more clearly? 
then follow the light that you have. If you want God to show his love for you more clearly, then obey what his instruction is to you. Don't avoid it, don't ignore it, but listen and lean in to God's leading for your life. And then secondly, here's the next one, don't be diverted by delay. Delay is coming, delay will be disappointing. You will be disappointed by delay. You will be distracted by delay, but you don't have to be diverted by delay. Abram and Sarai learned that when the delay comes, there are shortcuts that are going to tempt you and they can be very costly in your life. When you are waiting for God to fulfill his promise, watch out for the temptation to take the shortcut. It happened to Adam and Eve. I mean, that's when, that's when the devil knows that we're primed for that temptation. When we're waiting on God and it's like taking so long, what's going on here? And then the devil shows up and says, well, you know, there's another way to do this. Like you could just, that tree right over there? That's the answer. And then he did it to Abram and Sarai. Don't wait on God. There's something you could do. Take the shortcut. He did it to Jesus too, Matthew chapter four. When Jesus is facing the temptations in the wilderness, every one of them are a temptation to a shortcut. A shortcut to provision, a shortcut to protection, a shortcut to power. And Satan is telling Jesus, hey, instead of trusting your father's promise, you can do something about this. So do it yourself. And that's part of what makes the uh, temptation so appealing to me, like, you can do this, Bill. And especially when the temptation is using my own voice to tell me that. Listen to me, pornography is a shortcut. Drug abuse and alcohol, those are shortcuts. Some people are looking for intimacy, some people are looking for comfort. There's shortcuts, shortcuts. Lying, cheating, stealing, they're all shortcuts. In the moment they say, oh, hey, what if you just did the, the shortcuts? Watch out for the shortcut. And instead, when the temptations come, here's what the son of a father who chose to take a shortcut that really derailed his family's life. We'll get to him later in the series, but he took the shortcut and his son Solomon said this, when you're facing that decision, here's what you should do. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean into your own understanding, but in all of your ways, get to know God. And then he will direct your path. He'll straighten things out. So he's the author and finisher of your faith. Let him work the promise out over time instead of diverting through a shortcut. Make sense? Number three, life, the third life lesson, press on positively into God's promise. What are we supposed to do while we're waiting on God's timing? Well, stay positive. Press on positively into the promise and trust him to be at work. Where do you find his promises? Well, once again, his word, the Bible. You gotta get to know the Bible like you know your kitchen. You know, so when you're hungry, you know where to go eat. You know where the promises are so that you can apply them in your life. Where do we find the promises of God? In the word of God. Listen, don't don't just take somebody who says they are a self-proclaimed prophet 
and they are telling you what God wants in your life and what God wants you to do, watch out. The Bible says, test all prophecies, only hold fast to that which is good. How do we test the prophecies? Well, Dr. Blackaby told me, always ask God for a verse to confirm it from his word. So when you're sensing God is leading you to do something and somebody's telling you what they think God wants you to do, just ask the spirit to give you a confirmation in his word. Press on positively in his word. Peter says it this way, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. That's what the purpose of life is, so that you can participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. God has given us the promises of his word in Christ to connect us with the divine nature. So get in the word and let the word get into you and that will be the secret that will take you through waiting on God. What are you supposed to do while you're waiting on God to fulfill his promises? Well, press on positively in them. Now, anybody who's done that can also tell you, and Abe and Sarai could tell us this if they were here, it's easier to say than to do. In fact, when you are stuck in a delay, the easiest thing to do is go negative. (laughs) I don't even think there is a God. If there is a God, he sure isn't taking care of me. If this is how he says, I love you, then what? You know, I mean, we, we can go negative. That's the easiest thing. And then be disobedient. Sit God's way. I know a better way. And, um, and go your own way instead of God's way. Now, that's the, here's the heroic part of faith. You know what heroism in faith is? Heroism is when we say, no, I want to go God's way instead of mine. Heroic faith says, his ways are higher than my ways, which means I don't get the whole picture. I don't see the whole truth. Sometimes I'm stuck in the weeds. And that's affecting my feelings. And faith says, you got to, you got to, Take a look at what is beyond your perspective and get above sea level. That's what I'd like to summarize this entire talk as. Faith lives above sea level. When you're living at sea level, then you're reacting to everything because that's all that you can see. But when we trust God, he says, I want to take you above sea level and bring you into some heroic faith. Heroic faith lives above sea level. And this is how Paul wrote about it in 2 Corinthians. We live by faith, not by sight. So even when we failed, sometimes that's the hardest time to do it. But when Abe, Abram and Sarai had their moral failures, you know what the story tells me? Their failures were not disqualifiers from God's promise and neither are yours. God knows our frame. Here's what the scripture says. Some of the promises you'll discover. He knows our frame. He knows we're but dust. That's what the psalmist says. Jesus said, though your spirit is willing, your flesh is weak. He gets us. He understands. Um, The prophet Isaiah says, all we, all of us, we all go astray. We all turn to our own way. This is kind of part of the default setting in us. There's this, there's this, crooked place in me that makes me vulnerable to going against what God wants. And so what do I do when that happens? Well, I trust his promise that he, if, if, Bill, if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us and cleanse us. 
And then we discover that we're a work in progress. We're under construction. Failure doesn't disqualify you from the promise of God. It didn't take Abram and Sarai out, but they were to learn from it. And Paul did too. In his journey of faith, here's how he wrote about it from a jail cell in Philippi or to the Philippians. Um, No, it was from a jail cell in Philippi. I don't consider myself to have taken hold of it. That is full spiritual maturity. But one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In other words, he's keeping it positive, even in the midst of some of the things that he knows need to stay behind him. So the instruction there for us who would live by heroic faith is stay positive. Uh, Read a story about two kids, Christmas morning, one's a pessimist, one's an optimist. They both go down to the Christmas tree and there in front of the Christmas tree is a pile of manure. The pessimist kid says, oh great, it's Christmas day and all I get is a pile of manure. The optimist kid comes downstairs, he goes, I'm so excited, where's my pony? (laughs) Faith, what kind of faith do you have? Faith lives above sea level. Now, I am so excited today to uh, introduce to you my partner in faith who has helped me live above sea level for years. Would you welcome Lisa to the platform? Okay, honey, how you feeling? Uh, (laughs) You okay? I'm okay. Okay. Not feeling okay. Yeah, it's not about our feelings, I get that. Um, You know what, last week, I was speaking about being audacious, and we defined audacity as the willingness to take surprisingly bold risk, right? And some of you were here. You remember the the audacious thing that I did that came to mind, I told you, was proposing to this woman marriage by phone. (laughs) And if you weren't here, then check it out, the podcast online. Um, But yes, I did that. I proposed over the telephone. And... um, And then it occurred to me that saying yes over the phone was a very audacious thing to do. And so what we all want to know that you have been wondering since last week is why would you do that, you know? (laughs) How did you do that? What were you thinking? And so uh, we've invited her to come and share today, and I'm going to do my best just to behave and be quiet and just sit here (laughs) while we listen to Lisa. Okay, well, to answer that question, I think I have to go back to to a time in my life when I was about 15 years old, and I was a junior counselor at a summer camp for a Christian or a church summer camp for kids, and there was a missionary there named Elias Ramos who was speaking, and he was telling his story and he was talking about you know what God had done in his life and and his ministry. And we were all sitting around listening, and in the middle of his talk, he asked um, the question about how would you know if somebody is a Christian, if a person is a Christian? And I was sitting there, and I was waiting for one of the kids to answer, and none of them did. And so in a little bit, I thought, well, so I felt compelled to raise my hand, and he called on me. And I said, well, it's someone who has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And he goes, that girl, she knows what a Christian is. God's going to do something in her life. 
And I, I felt a little embarrassed and taken back, but it, it started me thinking um, about, you know, what is God's plan for my life? And that I, I thought, I sensed that he was speaking to me in that moment. And I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll be a missionary. I had no idea. I had no idea what the Lord had in store for me. But I did think I should start paying attention and start looking for his direction in my life and what he wanted to do with it. So um, fast forward to my senior year in college. And um, I had dated quite a bit in high school and in college and had dated some nice guys and some... and young men that were professed Christians, you know, that, that said that they believed in, that they loved God and then would go to church with me and things like that. But I just hadn't come to the, I, there just was no one that had, that just hadn't happened yet. I thought, well, you know, this would have, there was not someone that had felt like this was who God wanted me to be my life husband or partner. And I really started to come to the point where I felt the Lord was telling me to stop dating and to, and to not just, it, it wasn't like recreation. It was like to stop this. You don't need to be doing this anymore. And so uh, I thought, well, Lord, if it's just you and me, you know, temporarily or forever, I'm okay with that. I just want, I want to do what you want me to do. And so um, a few months later, so I, I did that, and a few months later, we had an event, an event, a Christian focus week on our campus, and there were a lot of keynote speakers coming in, Christian speakers coming in from around the country and world, and, and they were going to be speaking on our campus, and we had a banquet. And I was at that banquet, and I was sitting next to the wife of one of the keynote speakers for dinner that night, and... Bill, who was called Billy at the time, um, he gave the invocation and the blessing for the meal. Uh, He and another young woman were the co-chairs for that event. And after he prayed, um, this lady turned to me and she goes, who is that young man? And I said, oh, his name is Billy White. And she goes, well, does he have a girlfriend? And I went, no. And the reason I kind of was like, no, was because I had met Bill when he transferred um, onto our campus a couple of years earlier, and every time I would meet him, and we had been introduced several times, he would always say, you know, be cordial, and then he'd go, so what what verse have you memorized today? (laughs) And I think... And I think, Lord, you know, I want a Christian boyfriend and husband, but this guy is just a little over the top. (laughs) He's just, you know, so we had not really connected. And, you know, there were other girls on campus that were just like following him around, but not me. I wasn't going to do that. So, um, so (laughs) keep going. I know. So anyway, I said to her, I said, she said, well, somebody better, this lady looks at me and she goes, well, somebody better wake up. And I, and I looked at her and she goes, because he's going to be a real catch. And I went, you really think so? And she goes, oh, I know so. And it was like, the, it was like somebody dumped a bucket of ice water over my head. All of a sudden I thought, well, I better pay attention. Maybe I'm missing something here, Lord. You know, show, so help me to know if, if there's something I should be paying attention to here. So uh, I'll let Bill, there's a, his side of the story where how uh, the Lord made him look my way, but he'll tell that another time. 
But anyway, we started to um, notice each other. And within a, by the, after Christmas of that year, of our senior year, we, were, we started dating and going out and doing things together. And you know, relationships are not easy, and ours wasn't. It was rocky and a little mysterious. And in that time of us getting to know each other and kind of, you know, was I going to be spiritual enough? Was that, would I follow God where he wanted, where he felt like God was leading? And just a lot of, a lot of growth, a lot of struggle during that time. And, and we were looking towards graduation and what are we going to do when we graduate? And, and I had thought before he, he had come into my life, I had started thinking, well, I might go to um, seminary in the fall of my, or I mean, in the, yeah, after I graduated, and I might look into either a Christian counseling degree or maybe a, um, a Christian social work type thing. I, I wasn't sure where, what God was going to do with me, but I wanted to be open to that. And then at the same time, I also had always wanted to be a flight attendant, and there was a major airlines located in Kansas City, and so I interviewed with them and was in the process, um, in the part of the of the interview process where it was like either I accepted that and would be relocated after graduation to New York City or would I um, go to grad school, you know, to seminary, which was I going to do? And and um, I, I didn't know, you know, as I, as I wrestled through that, I really sensed the Lord saying, you need, this is the, the flight attendant thing is not what I want for you. I want you to go with me and trust me on this. And so I did, and so I turned that down, and then after graduation, uh, Bill and I were still kind of in a disconnect over what was going to happen, and we knew that we were both, he had applied also at this time, by this time, to Southwestern Seminary, so we thought, well, we'll see each other in the fall. If something's going to happen, maybe, you know, but maybe not. We just didn't know. So I went on to go to another town where I was going to work with an ecumenical ministry group with with children for the summer, and he went to become the youth pastor of a church in Oklahoma. And so that brings us up to two week, a couple of weeks later in the middle of June, uh, I get this phone call from him, and he starts reading this 12-page letter. And I'm thinking, where is this going? Because I thought, I, I really thought at the end of it, he's going to go, well, and God has told me that it's me and him, and that it's you know, you're not a part of the plan. That, I kind of thought that might be where it was going. So I was like, I had had protected my heart. I'd kind of done this brain and heart disconnect thing, and I was just listening to this letter. And then he gets to the end of it, and he goes, what I'm trying to tell you is I want you to be my wife. And I remember, I remember saying, and you want my answer now? And he was like, well, I want you to know where I stand. And then the words that came out of my mouth were, well, I want to be your wife. And I'm thinking, and then he goes, oh, good, yay. <laughs> I, like, I'm going to tell my mom, you know, all these things. And I'm thinking, well, wait, wait, you know, uh, we need to kind of like get back connect again and get back together and do stuff and be together and talk. And I said, you know, I know that. And I knew in my head 
that in, that in the months that were before that, when we had dated and spent time together, that he was different than anybody I had ever dated, and that I was attracted to him in a way I had never been attracted to a guy before, and that I felt God, you know, that I would be, I trusted his faith, and I trusted his leadership, and that I thought, you know, Lord, if this is the, the man for me, I would follow him anywhere, I would go. Um, and yet, we had had been this off and on thing, so I was like, I was not really sure, and when I look back on that now, even though I had said, I wanna be your wife, um, at that moment, I think I was saying yes to Bill, but I also was saying yes to what I thought was God's plan for my life. Um, And now it's been 39 years. (laughs) I can't believe it's been 39 years. Um, And, um, and that's how we've tried to live, is saying yes to God's plan for our life. We've, 23 of those years we've spent here. Um, it's, been, it's been an adventure. It's sometimes been wonderful and hard at the same time. And um, I know that, that, you know, God has given us a promise. He gave me a promise and there's, and a, a long, long time ago and, and when we were in a little church in Oklahoma and it's 2 Corinthians 2, 9 that says, the, no eye has seen, no ear hath heard, no, or no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. And he has been so faithful um, with us and we've held on to that promise even through our unanswered prayer and we still have unanswered prayers today. Um, that we're trusting the Lord with. Amen. Thank you. I think you're incredible. Thank you. She's remarkable. Lisa, you learned any new verses lately? Don't you just feel the love? Um, You know, Lisa and I are not quite as old as Abram and Sarai, uh, but we still have, we're still waiting on God to fulfill promises in our lives. We're still praying and have unanswered prayers. Like she said, one of them has been unanswered for it appears to be at least 23 years since I've come here. And it's a piece of dirt out on Sunset Drive that when I came here, the church was planning on building a new church facility out there. And so we have tried three times in earnest to make that happen. And each time since God's saying, wait, not yet, not now, and stop. Well, right now, through the charter school proposal that's before the commission, we're making another run at it because that would empower us to be able to put one of our multi-site campuses out there. So please pray about that one right now. But I can tell you that's what we've been doing. In the meantime, every Sunday morning, including this morning, I was on the Sunset Drive property at 6.30 in the morning with a group of about six or seven guys who show up every week and we pray. We pray for what God wants done not just on that dirt, but in the lives of people in all of the surrounding neighborhoods, in the community. We pray for every church that God would multiply his, uh, his ministry to change lives and heal hearts across Miami. And Lord, when will you give us the opportunity to do that? So we're still praying right now. And yet what has happened during the wait? Well, he has expanded this church's reach 
locally, globally, and digitally. So now we've got Kindle Campus up and strong. We've got Church Online up and strong. God has people connecting with us from every nation and territory in the world through our Church Online. We have three campuses now running, no debts, and our vision is to have five campuses by 2020. We believe God wants us to keep expanding. Our church is 91 years old and we're still giving birth. Who would have ever thought it? Oh, God did. Because he pulled Abram and Sarai in when they were way up in years too. Here's what Hebrews says about it. By faith, Abraham got his name changed when the promise came true. Even though he was past age, Romans 4 says he was about 100. Would you like to be a daddy at 100? And Sarah herself was barren. Romans 4 says her womb was dead but was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. What's that? Faith lives above sea level. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came dissemblance as numerous as the stars of the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. It took 23 years, but God kept his promise. And the son was born through whom Messiah would come. Does God have you waiting for something right now? In a relationship, in your financial life, in a health crisis, are you waiting on God for something? What does he want you to do while you're waiting? Oh, le listen and then lean in to his leading. And then don't be diverted by the delay. You're going to be disappointed. But watch out for those shortcuts. Instead, press on positively into his promise, remembering that heroic faith lives above sea level. Does that make sense? Now, some of you are wondering, where's the hero? I thought this was gonna be about heroes. Well, it is, but here's the lesson. Sometimes the most heroic thing you can do as an act of faith is wait on God. That's where the story all began. Learning how to wait on God and trust him. See, there is no testimony without a test. And what is the test? Well, it's usually, will you take the shortcut or will you wait on God? Now, I'd like to close our time today as an act of prayer. And in order to do that prayer, I, I just wanna read some of the promises of God out loud over you um, and invite you to receive them by faith, if you would. You can, to do that, you can stand, you can be seated, you can find your knees if you'd like to, but I'd like to invite you to find the posture in your heart that says, I'm ready to trust God in this area of my life, if it fits. Perhaps you're lonely right now, and you feel all alone. Well, here's the promise of God for you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Would you hear God saying that just to you? I will never leave you or forsake you. Perhaps right now you have a material or a physical or a financial need. Here's God's promise for you. God will meet all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Will you receive that promise? Lord, I'm listening, I'm receiving, I'm trusting you right now. 
Maybe you're at a, a life intersection and you're needing to make a decision and you're not sure which way to go. Here's God's promise. If any of you lacks wisdom, let them ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given. Would you receive the wisdom of God right now and open your mind for the decision that you face? Maybe things aren't going your way. Times are hard right now. You're wondering if you can hold out. Here's the promise from God. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Would you say, Lord, I'm in your hands and I will wait till you lift me up. Maybe you're fighting temptation. Here's the promise from God. No temptation has seized you except what's common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted above what you can bear. Would you receive that? Thank you, Lord, that you're bigger than my temptation. But when you are tempted, he will always provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Would you receive that? But pastor, I've, I've fallen under it. What am I supposed to do? Well, here's the promise for those of us who need forgiveness. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, friend, the promises have got you covered in the gift of salvation that we receive through Christ. And that promise says this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Is that where you need to, to enter this prayer today? Call on the name of the Lord right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins. I receive the gift of your salvation. I turn from my way to your way and ask you to make me the person you would have me be as I make my prayer in your name. Now our head's still bowed for just a moment, but if you prayed to ask Christ to come alive in you in that last prayer with me, and you would let me ask God's blessing upon your decision today, would you simply raise your hand right where you're seated and just keep it up for a moment so that I can look across the room. If you're joining us online, there's an orange banner right there that you can click on. We have hands all over the room Right here in the center, I'm seeing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. God bless you. Toward my left, another, another, another. God bless you. Toward the back, I just saw you, sir. God bless you. Over to my right, I'm seeing toward the front, toward the far right, toward the middle. God bless you. On the aisle, God bless you, young man. Nothing's too hard for God. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Thank you, ma'am. Let's pray together for these. Lord, for everyone who's by lifting their hands today are showing that they are opening their heart, we pray that you would make yourself known. Open the eyes of their heart and speak to them about how real your presence is through a joy that can't be, that, that rises up, that can't be contained, through a peace that transcends human understanding. Cause them, Lord, to live by a faith that is greater than whatever they see in front of them right now. 
And we thank you that we can welcome them into our family of faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.